Welcome to Houston Sports Talk with your host, Robert Land. Thanks for checking into the best Houston sports podcast and helping me preview the Texans Colts and get an inside look from a Colts perspective as Lawrence Owen, host of the Believe in Colts podcast and the Colts Law podcast. He's doubling up, keeping busy, and really want to thank you for stepping behind enemy lines, Lawrence. Hey, it's not a problem, man. I follow the entire NFL, which includes the AFC South. You got to keep tabs on the competitor so you know what you're going up against right yeah absolutely and and you know what one of the things that we noticed is you guys made a trade in a few months ago and what did you think about the matt ryan trade and are are the colts better with ryan than wentz well honestly it came out of nowhere i mean colts fans were just as shocked as the rest of the nfl world right i mean uh, kind of stumbled into it with Ballard's, you know, be patient philosophy of, you know, things will come to you if you're just patient. Uh, getting rid of Wentz, we had no starter. He had no immediate p- plan for it. So uh, when the whole Deshaun Watson thing started happening and then uh, Ryan became a little uneasy sitting in Atlanta, wanted that new start. It just fell into place. I like what Matt Ryan brings. He brings a stability that Carson Wentz did not have last season. I'm not going to bash Carson Wentz. Carson Wentz was, uh, when he was good, he was very good. Uh, But the problem was when he was bad, uh, those lows were really, really low. And I think that, um, like I said, Matt Ryan, he just, he has something that, you know, for a third round pick, I think the stability and the leadership that he brings is well worth that. The Wentz deal, I think everybody would say was a mistake, but would you say Chris Ballard got out of that mess about as good as possible with the commander's trade? Oh my goodness. How could you not? I mean, we traded a a first and a third for him and we're getting a minimum two thirds, if not a second and a third, if he plays that 70%, you know, snaps on the season. I, I can't believe that he was able to do that and then flip one of those thirds to get another quarterback uh, with potentially better results. So absolutely. I was not only surprised by what he got from it and what uh, Washington gave up for Carson, but then what he was able to do with it afterwards. Just a reminder to our listeners and viewers on YouTube. Hey, get over there, subscribe to us, comment, like it we'd love to hear from you guys i will look at every single comment so if you say something i'll take it into account and uh speaking of taking something into account the draft the colts draft what are the early reviews on the most recent draft obviously the first pick that we got alec pierce the wide receiver out of cincinnati there was a lot of high hopes for him uh coming into the nfl just uh an athletic phenomenon who was able to uh, get downfield, got a lot of speed, good size. Uh, The only issue was they didn't ask him to do a lot. It was mostly run downfield and catch the football. So uh, that was definitely a position that the Colts definitely needed. They went out and got him. He's looked a lot better uh, with the coaching that he has with the addition of Reggie Wayne being there. Something that uh, was questioned was his route running. I mean, who better to teach than Reggie Wayne in that aspect? Uh, he looks pretty good. He's been going up against some of the best corners in the NFL uh, on a weekly basis with two pro bowlers slash defensive players of the year. So he's he's growing up in a very, very fast right now. 
Um, another pick, Bernard Ryman, who we were hoping might come in and maybe take that left tackle spot. He's going to need a little bit more work. Uh, definitely uh, fingers pointing up with him. Um, got Jelani Woods, who is an absolute monster at tight end. Uh, very athletic, very tall, very big. Uh, probably work, be worked in the rotation quite a bit. And then Nick Cross stole the starting strong safety position uh, through training camp and preseason by just very athletic, aggressive plays. So uh, I, I like where the Colts stand from their uh, draft this season. Who do you think is going to make the biggest impact Sunday? Of uh, the rookies? Yeah. Probably Cross. I think Cross... Cross come in and well, defensively, it's a little easier, really, you know, when it comes then like say a wide receiver, a tight end, someone that has to learn uh whole new schemes, new playbooks, new quarterback, new everything offensively, unless you're a running back, offensive players generally don't come in and make massive impacts the first season. Defensive players can do that because it's a little easier to transition from the college to the NFL and cross has shown that by you know again stealing the the strong safety position over Rodney McLeod who has been a starter his entire career while he's been in the NFL so I, I think that's that's definitely something that'll have something that we can look forward to from Nick Cross is making impact plays early on looking at the entire Colts defense and offense what's the position or position group that concerns you the most right now? That's a good question. Probably the left tackle position worries me the most. Um, Matt Pryor, left tackle, obviously, with Matt Ryan being there, you want someone to protect his blind side. We do not have someone there who is a proven commodity in the NFL. Uh, Matt Pryor came in, uh, signed an extension this year to take that position, even though he only played two games of it his entire career with Indianapolis um, has not looked the best, honestly, against some speed edge rushers. And then of course we drafted Ryman who, as I said earlier, has a lot of potential, but yeah, <laughs> he, he still has a lot of work to get through. So that left tackle position is a little bit worrisome walking into the season. Do you think the Colts should be the favorite in this division? Honestly, I have them as the favorite uh, going over the division. I, I like what Jacksonville has talent-wise. Uh, I think that they are uh, got a ton of talent over there, but they haven't been playing as a team. I think that Houston, uh, this is my own personal opinion now, remember, uh, I think Houston has a lot of uh, people who work very well together, but they don't. they haven't shown – a lot of players who have high impact ability, right? So, and then you've got the Titans who have some players, but lost a lot over the, uh, the season. We need to know what, what, uh, you know, King Henry's going to look like coming back from his injury, whether or not uh, their replacement for, uh, their wide receiver, A.J. Brown, is going to live up to his expectations. What Woods going to do? You know, he's he's never really been a number one in the NFL. He's always been that number two and has ha had injury issues as well. I have no issues with the Titans defense 
I think that coach over there, Mike Vrabel, is very, very good with their defense. Uh, and, and I mean, you, you've seen how he, him and his defense manhandled Buffalo last year. I, I think that, you know, I have a ton of respect for Vrabel and that team. But I just like the potential that the Indianapolis Colts and, and, and the talent that they have over here. And I think that they can finally get back to maybe taking the division this season. I'm going to flip the table and let you ask a question if you'd like. What What are you most interested in about the Texans from a Colts angle and anything you'd like to ask me about the Texans? Really? Actually, like I said earlier, I I don't know a lot about, you know, the high impact guys that you guys have. Uh, I think Mills is a very underrated quarterback. I think he showed a lot of potential last season, but I want to know, is there anyone on the team that you think the rest of the NFL is overlooking that you think has a lot of potential that might be able to break out and, and just like show people, Hey, this guy's for real. He could make the pro bowl, maybe all pro something of that nature. The guy that everybody's sleeping on, I feel from watching what I've seen of him in preseason. And then he's really taken a step forward is Nico Collins. And I think that's going to be somebody to watch. Because if you start focusing too much on Brandon Cooks and Brandon Cooks is rock solid and we haven't even seen Brandon Cooks play in the preseason. So, you know, we haven't seen these two guys play together on the field yet. Nico Collins and Brandon Cooks this year. But Nico, he did a lot of work in the offseason with Davis Mills. And you just see a different guy than we saw his rookie season. And, you know, he missed a season in college at Michigan. And I think that sort of slowed his progress a little bit. But, man, he's such a hard worker. We see him out there hour, two hours after practice every single day, just working, 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 working. And that's the guy you got to watch out for. But you talk about high-impact players. I don't think it's a secret in the NFL anymore about who might be the highest-impact player for the Texans this year. Damian Pierce is going to be a Pro Bowl running back. If that guy can stay healthy, from what I've seen in just the limited time that he's been on the field and all the reports that you hear about from him at practice, and it's not just – He's an incredible runner, but I mean, he's a fearsome blocker. You know, you, you do not want to come at him uh, on the blitz or he will, you know, he will stuff you or undercut you. And he's, he's not the biggest guy in the world, but he plays like he thinks he's 300 pounds out there. And, you know, we saw him run somebody down after an interception and, and like moving people out of the way to run somebody down from behind uh, in his first game in the preseason. So uh, yeah, Damian Pierce, if, if there's somebody that can be the impact and the game changer, it could be him. But I think Nico could have a 1,000-yard season. They're, they don't have John Mechie, the their rookie, because of uh, the unfortunate cancer diagnosis. He was going to be somebody that was going to help out the receiving core. So it's pretty much down to, I think, Davis Mills, his blankies are going to be obviously Brandon Cooks, but also Nico Collins. And Collins being a bigger guy, can catch it in traffic. Um, it's a guy that if you're Davis Mills and you're, I, I'm desperate, well, where's the big guy? He's easy to find. So, you know, he's the guy I would look for if, if I was anybody around the league. And, I'm, you know, I, I just think people don't care about the Texans. They're not paying too much of attention. So when somebody like that's going to come out of nowhere, nobody's going to notice that except for Texans fans. Okay. What, what's the uh, general feeling about the teams with the fans in general? I, I'm just, you know, what their expectations are, what, what, what they're hoping for this season. What, what's those expectations? I think they expect them to be a little bit better than they were last year. I mean, it was a train wreck. You had a terrible coach in Cully and just Levy Smith coming along. You know, he's a pro. I mean, what he did with the Bears over the years, just amazing with Rex Grossman and Jay Cutler at quarterback and 
every single year, you know, I, I pointed this out as soon as they hired him. Look, every single year, the guy was pretty much nine and seven, 10 and six, 11 and five. You know, he took Rex Grossman to a Super Bowl. You know, he's a great defensive coach in the NFL with Tampa Bay was a mess that he got left with when uh, Gruden left. And then, you know, he had two really bad quarterbacks the two years that he was there. Jameis Winston as a rookie that was kind of a mess. And 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 I think it was Cade McCown or somebody like that. So he he really is a darn good NFL coach. And, you know, oh, he couldn't win at Illinois. You know, you're up there. Nobody can win at Illinois. Uh, does it matter? And, and college is different than the pros. So uh, I, I think people are a lot more excited because they trust Levy. Defensively, they were really good last year. I, I really believe in this uh, defense that they're going to be greatly improved with the additions, the rookie additions of Derek Stingley and Jalen Petrie, who both look like they can be, you know, they could be impact players on the defensive side of the football. And linebacker and, and defensive line, the Texans don't have like a bunch of studs, but they're very deep. They can run guys in and out. They're going to be fresh. And Jonathan Grenard could be a pro bowler this year. I, I think he could be a double digit sack, maybe even more than that. Maybe he could get into the 12 to 15 sack range. So that's somebody that I think people might be sleeping on. That's another guy along with Nico Collins that could really be an impact player for the Texans. That's something that, you know, you guys haven't really had since Watt and Merciless, right? Uh, with that, that whole hardcore uh, pressure situation against the quarterback. And that's what I've been worried about. That, that's what this team really needs is someone who can get after the quarterback really, really well. And they design also because of Levy, they design much better blitz packages than they've ha that I've seen in the past where, you know, we'll see guys come in unblocked and it, it just, there's a better design to the pass rush than I noticed even under Romeo. I mean, Romeo was good, but he was not much of a blitzer. he did not like to send, more than five guys, four or five guys, you know, in and, and, and I mean, Romeo, uh, this is the conversation here constantly is Romeo. He's causing turnovers. He's fantastic at that. You saw it with, with the bears over the years and these guys know how to cause turnovers. They've done it the preseason. They did it last year. The turnover ratio should be pretty good. And Davis mills, whatever you want to say about him. I don't think he's going to be a big turnover guy. He wasn't last year. He plays smart. He knows just, hey, let me throw it away I'll, or, you know, whatever I have to do to to live in another day. And I think that's going to be a big part is the plus minus with the Texans. So, you know, their over under was four and a half. Now, my close friend was in Vegas uh, a few days ago, and I said, do me a favor. Buy me a ticket on the over because four and a half to me, they, they were they won four games last year and they're much better. It's a much better team. It's a better coach. Um, they're better set up with, you know, like I said, Nico Collins and Damian Pierce and, you know, everybody around the league does not get the fact that Laramie Tunsil didn't play last year. Their offensive line was a disaster, but when you don't have your pro bowler play 90% of the year and, and then Titus Howard, who should have been playing tackle was playing guard. He was a bad guard. He's a, I think he's a good tackle. And then, you know, you pick up Kenyon green and he's going to move people out of the way. He's going to be a, I would say the one thing, if if I was looking out this from a looking at this from Colts' perspective, that's the guy you can go after. I mean, put somebody over Kenyon Green on a pass rush. But if you're gonna if you're gonna uh, stop him on the run, it's a whole different story because he he moves guys out of the way. He's a people mover, like you know, you guys have one, you know, with the Colts, and and we're hoping to finally have somebody like that here that can move guys out of the way and 
and push him around a little bit. And Kenyon Green's definitely got the size to do that. Are are you surprised that the Colts? I, I've seen somewhere they're eight or eight and a half point favorites in this game on the road. No, uh, I think a lot of it has a lot to do with uh, last season. Uh, how you know how the games work last season. I know that uh, I personally know that from one year to another, teams are not the same, right? But when you go in and you look at what happened last year when it was like, you know, the combined score of 62 to th- uh, 3 over the two games, that kind of gives you a little bit of, uh, I don't know. And I, I think the Colts are looked at as much improved with a lot of additions, like you talked about with Matt Ryan, uh, Yannick Ngakwe, and um you know Stefan Gilmore guys like that that are on the team now uh to go along with these seven pro bowlers that they they had last season it's just kind of you know uh, I understand where that line comes from but this is a divisional game and on the road for the Colts this definitely could be a much closer game than what a lot of betting lines are putting out there yeah it just seems like they're going off the narrative of last year and and you know, I'm not saying the Texans are going to go 10 and six or, t- or whatever, 10 and seven, whatever it is with 17 games, but you know, they're going to be improved. I don't think they're they're going to get blown off the field. Like they were quite a bit last year. It's, it's, it's going to be different in that way. The one, the one thing that concerns me as we sit here on a Wednesday, I'm convinced that somehow T Y Hilton will be in a Colts uniform by Sunday and getting 150 yards and a touchdown. I, I, I'm just waiting for it. I'm waiting for the other shoe to drop. Cause it's like, why would you what, wait, wait, Wait to get rid of him after the Texans game. I, I don't understand why the Colts uh, got rid of him before the Texans game this year, the, the, the start of the season. Well, Ballard and Reich really have a lot of faith in the talent of the Colts wide receivers. They're they're very, very young. They're wanting to try to move from the old guard to the new, and they're using these young guys, Michael Pittman Jr., hoping Paris Campbell stays healthy, uh, Alec Pierce. We got – uh, a couple unknowns that the league doesn't really know about, but we see, you know, in training camp, hey, these guys can make plays, right? So I understand that whenever T.Y. Hilton goes to NRG, he just puts numbers up. It, it happens. Everybody knows this. But on the aspect of how much would T.Y., you know, cost the Colts for a game? Right. I mean, you're going to have to sign him, you know, yeah. and that's going to cost money. Yeah, so I'm, I'm joking. I'm joking. Of course. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Uh, but hey, um, how did Marlon? I, I know that he got released, but how did Marlon Mack look over there during training camp? He didn't look all that good. I don't think he was awful. But one of the things that really bothered me when I was watching him is he was dancing a lot in the backfield and there were holes there to be had. And Damian Pierce showed that there were holes to be had when you watched him run. But Mac just, he seemed very indecisive. And I don't know if that's, you know, he's still not comfortable after, you know, you know, spending so much time out these last couple of years or, or what it was. But just, I, I mean, I don't think it was a shock to the, the guys in the know that he was released. But I was a little shocked about it. I, I thought, well, you know, he's, he's not bad for a second running back if you're confident in Pierce. And they definitely are. You know, they, they said it. It was. It's not a surprise, but they said it yesterday and and uh, after practice that you know Pierce is the guy. He's the number one guy, and you know they picked somebody up yesterday uh, off the waiver wire, so they've added somebody else at running back because you know outside of that, it's 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 some inexperience along with um, you know 
you don't have the guy, you don't have anybody that's really, oh yeah, I'm confident if, if something happens to Damian Pierce and he goes down. I mean, there's these guys that are on the back end that, well, I don't know, they, they don't have a lot, whole lot of experience in the NFL and they're not super explosive or whatever. But uh, yeah, a little bit, of, a little surprised that Marlon Mack didn't work out already, just like has already gone after, you know, the preseason. That, that was a shock. Yeah, it's kind of weird because uh, while he was with the Indianapolis Colts, he was a fan favorite. He was a guy who come in right behind Frank Gore, you know, on his tail end of his career as a rookie. He he came in and learned a lot. He knows how to. He's very good at at uh, pass blocking when he when he's held in for that. He catches the ball well out of the backfield. the 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 fun the the thing about Marlon was, um, he actually taught guys like Hines and Jonathan Taylor in their younger rookie years, you see it, don't hesitate, hit it. And for you to say that he's hesitating kind of makes me wonder, as you're saying, maybe there is a little bit of worry from that that uh, Achilles injury that he had uh, a couple years ago still, and, and it's, it's making him hesitate because that'd be the only thing I can think of because he was teaching guys – to not hesitate to to just take your instincts and go. So that's that's interesting. That's very very interesting. Um I don't know. There's a not 100% sure what else to ask. There's quite a bit. What what are your thoughts on the game upcoming? Who 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 do you think is going to have the biggest impact defensively? For the Texans, if if there's a player that I really loved last year and then he got hurt and I, I, I haven't seen a ton of him in the preseason because they've just not been playing him. They're kind of protecting him a little bit. It's uh, Grugier Hill, the linebacker. Uh, he was everywhere last year. He was a real bright spot. And I was very impressed with somebody that, you know, was somebody Casario just picked up in, in, in between the previous year and that one. And he's you know not a draft pick or anything like that. I don't know how high he was considered around the NFL, but just was super impressive last year when he got hurt. I was just disappointed because I really loved watching him play and he he was making impact plays out there. So look for him to do some things uh, as far as making an impact. But like I said, Jonathan Grenard, I mean, that's, that's the guy to watch for the Texans because if there is somebody that's going to get to Matt Ryan, I would say he's the favorite to do that, but they've, they've got other guys and like, you know, there's, there's not, it's not like, well, it's JJ Watt like it was before. And if JJ doesn't get you, there's nobody else. I mean, Whitney Merciless had like, he had a good year, one good year, but that was it. But there, there wasn't multiple guys. But with the Texans and the way Levy does things, you're going to see other players that maybe you're not expecting because, oh, there's a six guy that's coming at you that, you know, is either a safety or a cornerback or whatever. Jalen Petrie could be that guy because he's got, incredible instincts as a safety and if there is a blitz he he'll, he I, I would say he would find maybe an angle or a lane or something like that the Texans were really good against the run in the preseason but this is a whole other level with you guys and I don't know what what where is where is Jonathan Taylor in your hierarchy of the running backs in the NFL is he, is he the best running back in the NFL is he in you know number three number two where, where do you have him right now well last year obviously uh I mean last year was unreal with Derrick Henry going down uh, with injury. I mean, he had more yards after contact than anyone else had yards period. So that was, 
something very interesting. I want to see what Jonathan Taylor does this year before I unanimously crown him number one. You know, now I'm going to probably get chewed on by a lot of Colts fans. I think he has potentially the best running back in the NFL right now, but he needs to do it consistently year after year after year. And, you know, something that the all the great historical running backs have done. So this is this is a situation where, yes, he's probably in my he's top two, in my opinion. Uh, but for him to take that crown and hold on to it, he's going to have to do it again this year. Right. And, and Henry going down sort of pass the baton over to him. So you want to see. Yeah. Now maybe Henry's healthy this year. You know, how do they match up? And, you know, we see potential slowdown with Henry. All the carries, all of the mileage on him is it's starting to add up. And so that's going to play into it. But uh, I look at the Colts and that offensive line, and I just feel like you could put a lot of running backs behind that group and 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 you're going to do pretty well. So it's, it's hard to judge sometimes running backs because I remember Emmett Smith, you know, back in the days of Emmett Smith. And there was the debate with Emmett Smith and Barry Sanders. And I said, you put Barry Sanders behind that Cowboys offensive line. And man, he'd, he'd probably have 3000 yards. I mean, I was, I was a very Sanders truther and, you know, Emmett Smith, I thought he's really good. He's solid. You know, he, he, he does what he's supposed to do, but Barry Sanders was on a whole other level. And I'm like, man, Bar- Barry's having to avoid guys in the backfield. And that was what the Texans were last year. If you got the ball, you were having to avoid, you know, there were defenders in the backfield. A lot of times you didn't have a chance to, to find the hole and, one of the things that I think sort of went under the radar, we, t- we talked a little bit about it on our show, is just the fact that this offensive line, it's, it's not just that they've got better guys, but the coaching is better. They brought in George Warhop, who's been around for 25 years, and I looked at his resume, and he's played on, you know, been on many different teams, and he's just had a lot of experience. And the Texans over the last few years, the, the offensive line coaches under – Bill O'Brien, I just thought were a catastrophe. And and what's different is these guys haven't seemed lost out there on switches and stunts and and those sorts of things. I've seen the offensive line, if 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 they're they're finding a guy and they're gonna go, we're gonna eliminate that particular guy in the middle. And their goal is to put sometimes, you know, two offensive linemen on, on one of the key tackles for the the defense. And and if that's the case, then you know, that that's going to make things at least to the point where if at least you're blocking somebody and, and the Texans, you know, there were times where you had two guys and they were supposed to get two different players. And then they ended up whiffing on both of them. And that was happening way too often uh, last year. And, and even some prior to that uh, with, with some of O'Brien's people, but um, that, that, that's a big difference. There, there are just a lot of little things with the Texans that I'm anxious to see how it plays out against the Colts, because I like playing the Colts the first game because you guys have so much talent. You know, you, you, it's a good barometer. We saw what happened w- between these two teams last year. So it, I think that's going to be a real, you know, fun part of this. Is, is, do the Colts, do, is there a team that they consider the rival in this division? Is it the Titans? Like who, who is the Colts natural rival here? Uh, see, it's, it's funny because it, this is a division that, you know, over the years have kind of flipped and plopped around. You know, there's been a few years where Jacksonville was there. There were years where the Texans were there. And then, of course, the Titans have kind of been there the last couple of years. So uh, it's it's that whole, you know, 
what's what's this this Sunday's flavor, right? <laughs> the way I see the AFC South. Um, I think that all four teams can potentially, if continued to be built right, can be very, very good over the next two, three, four years. You know, you might start seeing them become the next AFC West or NFC West, as as it were, you know, back in, you know, a couple of years ago. So I'm hoping for that because, you know, uh, that whole situation of, of just having that much um, in, in your own division will only make you better, right? So, but right now, I think the Colts and the Titans are probably the two the two teams right now that are fighting for the the, the division itself. Um, rivalry wise, we don't really see the Titans as a rival uh, when it comes to Colts fans. Uh, Titans. I think they see it more as a rivalry than than what uh, Colts fans do, which is kind of kind of interesting. Yeah, I, it just it's weird because I, this division doesn't have any of those. Uh-huh. Natu- There's no history, obviously, because no. Jacksonville and the te- and the Texans have have such a short history themselves, and the Colts, you know, kind of were thrown into this. You know, they used to be part of the AFC East with the Jets mm-hmm. and the Patriots, and you know, I'm old enough to remember all of those. And then you throw in the fact that. I mean, the Texans can't, can't be a rival because the Colts beat, you know, to be a rival, you have to win occasionally. And it seems like the Colts are, you know, 35 and two or something like that against the Texans. And I mean, it used to be a blood fest when it was, you know, Peyton and even to an extent, Andrew Luck. I mean, at least now I go into it and I go, well, at least they don't have one of those two guys on their side. But, you know, last year wasn't any better. I mean, the, the Texans still got crushed. I, I, I think the Texans had after like years and years of not winning in Indy, won a few years ago, sort of by accident. And then there was one, there was one game that I remember in Indy where we won because Frank Reich did that weird call where I thought he went for something, I think, late in the game. I'm trying to remember what, how it played out, but he, he went for something, and I was like, you know, why don't you just take this to overtime? Why are you trying to – I think he went for a two-point conversion or something like that. And the Texans weren't all that good. I mean, they they weren't – you know, it wasn't like you, you should be scared of the Texans offense. I mean, this is one of Bill O'Brien's crappy quarterbacks that they had at the time. So I I, I just that one was a little bit dumbfounding to me. Is, is, is Reich. Last thing I want to ask you, what about Reich? Is he is he well thought of there? For the most part, yes. I think he's very, very well thought of. Um, he, he gets a little bit of push from some fans across the NFL for going for it on fourth down a little too much. But if you look at it his conversion rate on fourth down is better than any other coach in the NFL, you know? So that's kind of a, you know, a plus he knows when to go for it and has the right place to do it. Um, he, he does utilize, like I said, he he goes for it and fourth down a lot and he utilizes some uh, trick plays, trait plays that uh you don't expect out of nowhere and he holds those for those fourth down conversions generally or you know a third down that he really really wants or the big problem was he wasn't for the longest time when it was third and one at the goal line or fourth and one at the goal line he would use some rather than just run it up the gut or you know a traditional play he would pull something out that 
there's too many things that could go wrong with this play. And that's why he's getting a little bit of, you know, pushback as of late. But for the most part, I think uh, Frank Reich is a, a top 10 coach in the NFL uh, over, overall call wise, uh, how he handles a game, how he, you know, directs the game and things like that. Plus, you know, he's, he's a very analytical guy though, right? He uses a lot of analytics. So, you know, that's, that's kind of a, a new trend in the NFL and we'll see how that ends up turning out. Before we go, tell us about your podcast one more time and where fans can connect with you on social media as well. First off, thanks so much for having me on. It's been a pleasure. Uh, love talking football, especially when it comes to divisional rivals and the Texans. So thanks again. Um, I'm Lawrence Owen. I am the host of the Believe in Colts podcast with Gerard Powers, former cornerback for the Indianapolis Colts. Uh, and then, of course, I've got my uh, other one, which is Colts Law. You can find both of those uh, anywhere you listen to podcasts. Also, you can find it on my YouTube channel, Lawrence Owen. Uh, it's very easy to find. And social media, uh, it's just Colts underscore law. Uh, that's at Colts underscore law, Twitter or IG, either one. Fantastic. Love talking to you. We got to do this again in a few weeks when, for the rematch, but uh, uh, had a had a great time. And, and uh, hey, let's, let's see what happens on Sunday. Looking forward to it. Absolutely. Thank you so much. You're listening to Houston Sports Talk. Hey, you can support the show by subscribing on YouTube and commenting on the videos. Listen to Houston Sports Talk on Spotify, Apple, Stitcher, and Google. Don't forget to tell a friend and share our show on social media. Spread the word, everybody. Thanks for listening.